I never thought he'd do anything watching him in Children's Church and look at him now. What a great guy, Jeffrey, right? I mean, man, he's wonderful. Well, good morning, everyone. It is good to be with you. This is my first time in Abilene in my life, although my kids were raised in Lubbock, Texas, and uh, guns up, yeah. Uh, and we flew over, I flew over this town probably a thousand times because you can't go anywhere in the world from Lubbock except through Dallas, and, you know, then you go back over again and everywhere. Uh, but we've been praying for you, watching your story, love this church. If, I know I'm supposed to say this, but it's not my nature to lie, so I'm not going to lie. This is the truth. Is well, I may lie later on, but that's another matter. We'll talk about that later. But uh, I, I would attend this church. There's no doubt. I walk in. I see it. I went to the North Campus, see you guys at there. I was praying for you all and watch you worship, watch the civility, watching the joy, you know, and what God is doing. God has blessed you with a miracle here. Can I hear a good amen? And a lot of that is amen. And a lot of it is because God uses leaders and people. That's just the way it is. And Pastor David and Jeanette, uh, he was one of my early hires and I don't think anyone worked any harder and was more faithful and righteous and diligent. We worked hard. We worked hard. And uh, he was always there learning. And Jeanette would make my day many a Sunday when I was so tired and I'd see her in the worship team. I think honor is due to who honor is due. Would you give all the pastors a great big hand who labor for you? Because that blessing come back on you, Pastor David and Jeanette. Uh, blessings on you. And my wife is, I just got to say this because we've been married uh, 49 years this year. I know I don't look 49 years old. I look more like 80, but I'm in between that. So, uh, but my wife, Andrea, who is my faithful partner, travel, and who always tells me what I do wrong after I preach to keep me humble. People say, how do you stay humble? I'm married to a Norwegian. What do you expect? This is what you get. Andrew, would you stay up and wave, stand up and wave at him and say, how would you bless, say hi to my wife, Andrea? Thank you so much. So our time is moving on, and I'm, I'm going to read an interesting scripture to you. I'm going to, the sermon is a little bit different. I wouldn't trust every congregation with this. I don't do it often, but uh, this church is a good church. This church is a great church. There you go. All right. You love the Word of God. You pay attention. You don't judge preachers before they're finished. You notice how it kind of goes on down as, as we move along the way. I want to talk to you about uh, the first thing God used uh, to turn, I mean, he used to bring his glory in John chapter 2, one of the seven miracles of John, one of the seven I am, am statements on it. And it, it, it revolves around uh, Jesus turning water to wine. Now, that is the worst scripture outside of Malachi a guest preacher could use. When Jesus turns water to wine, I was raised holiness, and we never even talked about it. We didn't even read this scripture. We just weren't even sure it belonged in the Bible. But in pastoring and laboring as I came to Jesus Christ, I found this one of the most essential God lessons, I believe, for this generation. So I'm going to ask you to kind of hold with me for a few minutes and pay attention even when it seems a little bit off track because I circle a lot. And we're going to get somewhere at the end and we're going to pray for God to bring glory. So are you ready to do this for Jesus? Say a good amen. amen. 
John chapter 2, put it up. Here is the miracle, John chapter 2. Here it says, now on the third day, notice, that's significant, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus, Mary, was there. Now, both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding, and when they ran out of wine, wine was essential to weddings during that time, and every time, I'm just going to give you the punchline in advance so you don't bail out on me. Wine in Scripture, particularly New Testament, always represents joy of the Holy Spirit. And does it represent alcohol? It's not about, that's not this thing we're talking about at all. Jesus is doing this because he wants to say something to us. So he invited the wedding, and when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Yeah, what a thing to say to Jesus, right? And Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not come. One of the most misunderstood scriptures. Don't have time for all the Arabic and the, all that stuff on the matter. is. She, people say he was offensive or demeaning. He really wasn't because she gets the whole point. She knows who Jesus is, the Savior. I mean, she had the angel visitation, etc. So this is what Jesus says. Pay attention. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. I want you to read that out loud. Whatever he says to you, do it. One more time. Whatever he says to you, do it. That's the key. And, this move, and now there were set three, uh, six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of Jews containing 20 or 30 gallons. That's up to 180 gallons. A little bit excessive, right? And Jesus said to them, fill them, uh, fill the water pots with water and they filled them up to the brim. That's all the way up. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it to the mayor or whoever it was. And when the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, he did not know where it came from. But the servants who had drawn, the servants who had drawn the water knew. And the master of the feast called the bridegroom and he says to him, Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. Uh, Again, I was raised in holiness. I don't know what that means, but you obviously understand what that means. (laughs) And the guests have well drunk, then the inferior. You have kept the good wine until now. Now catch this last scripture. This beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory. And the disciples believed in him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the privilege of being together. So much going on. You know each one of us by name. You know where we are, what we need. So Holy Spirit, come and open our hearts together. Open our minds. May you breathe on us. And may we be joined for these moments. May we leave here changed and encouraged and devoted to you. We pray in Jesus' name and all God's people said. If you were going to choose... One miracle to demonstrate God's glory, which one would you choose? That's rhetorical. Would you choose, I, I would choose Lazarus. I would choose Lazarus with raising of the dead. To me, that's the greatest miracle. You know, one of my favorite things is when uh, Martha says, he, Mary says, he stinketh. You know, he'd been dead three days. And Jesus calls Lazarus out of the tomb and you have this unwrapping and the whole thing taking place. To me, that's like, I am the resurrection and the life. That's the message. But Jesus didn't choose that or he didn't choose the feeding of the 5,000, which is a great one for our hungry generation. He didn't choose uh, leprosy healed. I'm a big fan of healing. I mean, how many of you love to be healed? Can I hear an amen, right? You love to be healed? I would choose that Jesus and the Father and all 
all wisdom and understanding, greater than our culture, greater than our religious understanding, knew we needed something, even his disciples and his mother who follow him. And he chose for his first sign to, to reveal his glory to the world, water to wine. Now, I want you to catch something. You have to understand again, this is about joy. Every time it's about wine in there, there's usually about joy. For example, in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit comes down, you know, and they're all celebrating and God's glory, and now God is by the Spirit of God is in them, and he's going to do great things. All the critics looked at him and said, they are drunk with wine this early in the morning. And Peter, apostle, gets up and says, hey, this is not wine. This is the Holy Spirit, which was promised. God has come among us. When Paul was defining to the people of God how you know when you're serving God rightly, when it's really in the real thing, he says the kingdom of God is not meat or drink. It's not what you're going to eat afterwards. It's not whether it's Popeyes or whatever it is. It is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. When I was a new convert and there was the charismatic movement, things were crazy every false doctrine along with the miracles of God. And I had fallen away from God. I'll share about that in a few minutes. And I was so afraid of losing Jesus again, like getting involved in a cult or some crazy thing or being off track like I got in college on the whole deal. And God gave me that scripture. He said, Randall, as long as you stay righteous, you don't, if you feel your righteousness slipping, slow down, get back to the word of God, and you have let the peace of God abide. I'll lead you by the peace of God in your heart, the umpire, and you keep the joy of the Lord, you're going to be all right. The kingdom of God is not eating or drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And when you start looking at Scripture, you see all these things bubbling up that how important joy is. Now, why I say that is, I think joy is one of the, God's joy is one of the battles of our generation. Now I don't preach as much. I only do it when I feel need to or God has called me or celebrate like I am uh, with, with your church today. I get to go to church. I get to hang out with young people. That's so cool. It's so cool when at Starbucks when a bunch of young people with purple hair and rings, I don't get it. I don't understand why you need them in your eyebrows, but I don't judge. It's just, never mind. I'm, I'm wandering. That's, I'm wandering. And they'll talk to me and they'll talk about their lives. Everybody wants to talk. If you listen, everybody wants to talk. They really do. They just want to tell you the story. I'm on an airplane a few months ago going somewhere. I'm retired, mostly in Florida. I got upgraded. If God upgrades you to first class, he's got something for you to do. It's not just for you. So I got up there, I'm sitting next to a guy. He, he drank during a short trip to Chicago, ate whatever those hard, hard drinks is. So he started talking. He says, what do you do? I said, you don't want to know. <laughs> so he told me a story. His wife had died and uh, is a business developer and full of graft and greed and, and all kinds of stuff. And, and uh, he says, uh, you know, I'm just mad. I'm mad at everything. What do you think that is? And I said, can I tell you a story about how I got over that? My point of it is, is that people just want to talk about what's missing in their life, if you listen to them. And what Jesus is saying is this to you and I. 
Joy is serious business. Say with me, joy is serious business. When I was a new convert, I was so holy, you know, and, and uptight because I was just out so far from Jesus, came radically to Jesus. And I thought joy was for beginners and lightweights, you know. Joy, joy was for the charismatic, not for us Baptists and Presbyterians. You know, this, yeah, yeah, nah, nah, nah. and I'm like, Lord Jesus, I receive the weight of the world so I could change the world, and I'm happy to die and suffer for you. And I was having a nervous breakdown doing it. And I discovered in prayer, now listen to, are you still with me? Can I hear an amen? That the enemy wants to rob this generation of joy because if he robs this joy, you're going to give up. There's a real spirit of surrendering right now, of, of desperation along the way. Because what's the Bible say? That the, not only the kingdom of God is righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit, but the joy of the Lord is your strength. What happens? If he takes your joy, if you start losing that gladness of the Lord, which I felt here as you did today, when you lose that, you start getting discouraged and you start seeing all that's wrong and you become embittered by the world and you have no more hope and you start surrendering all the time. And so when Jesus is turning this miracle along, he's not saying, oh, you know, uh, uh, I'm just going to show you that I, I'm a party guy. No, he, he was saying that that when I come into your life, I'm going to do three things for you. And I want to talk about, to put those points up. We're going to move all the way through to get to, get to that, to this, this deal, because I want to tell a couple of new stories. The first thing he's telling you is not only is Jesus serious business, but that God is good. Say God is good. You, you say it like you actually believe it, not like you're trying to get out of here and shut me up, all right? Say out loud. Say God is good. Right? Thank you. God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. That's the basis of it. Now, we say that, but I want to tell you how hard that is. Now that I have spare time, and I, I got on. Have you ever heard of TikTok? I have found out I am a lousy TikTok duplicator of events. People are stupid. On, I, don't, I, I don't mean to be critical on it, but I'm leaving here anyway. But TikTok may be the stupidest invention that I'm involved in. Because even though I know it's stupid and you're offended that I say it's stupid, I'm still doing it. <laughs> I got into YouTube. YouTube is of the devil. My, I mean, it's obviously some good stuff on there. Again, have you heard about Harry and Meghan? What, what kind of life do you guys people have here in Abilene? Do you not know of all the conflict with the prince and the princess and all the nonsense going on and how angry people are about it? And I'm watching this stuff. I'm scrolling down in the morning with coffee. I'm looking like this on the whole thing. And I start saying, my wife's over here. I'm here. Oh, I don't know. world is wrong with those people. Oh, this is terrible. I feel so, you know. And she says, well, turn the stupid thing off. I said, yeah, you're right. Look at this one over here. Stupid on the whole thing. My point is, anything the enemy can use, even that can be used for good, if it takes you away from what God says is the goodness of his life, you're going to get hurt. Because the Bible says clearly, listen to this, God just doesn't do good things. Are you listening? Say a good amen so I can't see you, right? 
He is good and he's nothing but good. He can't do good but good. When someone said to Jesus, Jesus, you know, God, you're good. He said, only God, only God is good. Every good and perfect gift, James says, comes down from the Father of Everything God wants to do, everything about him has to end in goodness if we just learn to trust him. God is good. And sometimes we just don't even get to remember that. Not only is God is good, but his goodness and his joy is abundant. I don't, I don't, I'm not a dancer. In fact, in our family, I'm, I'm fourth generation, third generation, son's fourth generation. They breed dancing out of you. It's just kind of Pentecostalism of what I was raised. I don't do this well. I can't do whatever. I just don't do it. But when I got grandkids, I live to dance with my grandkids, two little girls. Everybody says I'm stupid. My wife says stop. My son says, you're embarrassing me. You're teaching them bad things. But I don't care. I said, let's do the God dance. And I look just as stupid as I look now. But they're all going like this, you know, and whatever, three-year-old, six-year-old, and we're laughing on the whole thing. I want my kids to know that serving God has its challenges, right? But God is good. I was in Israel for a study break uh, back in Lubbock, and uh, I was by myself for a month or so at a hotel, and I was across from the great synagogue, and I'm just reading and studying and getting ready for my lecture, still on it, and all the uh, uh, Orthodox Jews were coming out of church, and they came into the hotel room, the hotel lobby, and they were all eating. They have this kind of fun time together after, their, after they do their, their, uh, their, their service, and, and they bought all their kids ice cream sundaes. Ice cream out there, because, I mean, just these little ones eating ice cream, and the kids are running everywhere, and it's, it's just this party going on. So being, you know, curious, I went to them and says, why are you doing this? Why are you always, every time I'm here, you give them sweets? And they said, we are determined that our children know that God is good. So we connect goodness with whatever thing we can to say, if you will follow God, God is good. And he is good abundantly. Can I hear a good amen? I'm going to move on. This is the point I want to get to. That's why I'm rushing along. God's best always follows obedience. I want to tell you that's the fact of life. What we want God to do is we want him to do something then we believe and trust him. Lord, if you'll let me win the lottery, I only pray that prayer when it's about a billion dollars, as if a hundred million dollars isn't any good, and I don't buy lottery tickets, I still want to win it, but that's how, that's how lazy Christians can be sometimes. Lord, you know, I want, if you give me, if you help me win the lottery, I promise I will help Pastor McQueen and his church. I didn't say it quite that way. I just, I'll be generous and give and do all this and foundation on it. I want God to bless me, then I'll do it. But I, he wants me to do his will first, then bless me. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's after, what happened is in the text is, you see it in the text, it says, Mary says to the servants who serve, hey, whatever he says, do it. Didn't say what he was going to do. She had no idea what Jesus was going to do. Just whatever he says, do it. And so Jesus says, okay, if you want me, I'm going to do this. I want you to fill the water pots up. Why? 
with water. Why? They don't need water. They need something else. Trust me. Trust me and fill it up. All right. It's a lot of water from the well. Fill it up. Put it in there. 180 gallons on the way. Now what do we do? I want you to take it and I want you to bring it to the master of the feast. John, you do it. I'm going to get fired. If this doesn't work, we're going to get fired. We're going to get hurt. So you do it. No, you do it. So someone trusted Jesus enough to take water. He was turning when and where and how, I don't know, I don't care. And he took it to the master of the feast, and his master says, oh, my Lord, this is so unusual. This is not the normal religious activity. Most people bring out the good first, and when they're a little bit silly, we bring out the inferior. You have saved the best for last. And thus Jesus demonstrated his glory, and his disciples believed. Tell you about obedience. When I was, I went to Indiana University, and uh, I, I hated what you and I are doing today. I hated. I was raised in church. I didn't want to go to church. My mom said, "Randall, please serve God." Uh, I said, "I'm going to be. A, I'm going to be a scientist, a doctor. I'll be fine." And she says, "Don't forsake God." I said, "You know, God's good in His place. You don't tell." Pentecostal mom and grandma that by the way I said I'm going to be fine I can do this well I got into Indian University as majoring in as pre-med and it was the drug day and age and uh, a long time ago dinosaurs had not yet fully died off the earth Uh, it's the 70s the hippie days and uh, I got into drugs I got into acid now folks drugs are wrong I mean, they're, 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 they can be used. I mean, forget that. Just don't do them. Rock claim. And when I dropped acid, I had some ex- religious experience fall. Such a satanic instrument this stuff was. And I thought, wow. I was dropping acid in college, in pre-med biochemistry, second in my class, five times a week. If you have any experience, you know that's not a good thing to do. Well, or before finals, I, I had a bad trip. And folks, if you ever think the devil's not real, trust me, he is. I had this thing, and all of a sudden, demons are pulling me down, and bugs are coming out of my skin. I was like scratching and bleeding, trying to get them out. I didn't come down. So I walked into finals in biochemistry. Couldn't even remember my name, sign my name. My dad was directing Teen Challenge. Can you believe it? I called my dad said, Dad, you know, long, whatever long. It just looked like, like Woodstock. And got to come home. So I, I, he was, I was terrible. I looked bad. I was bad. I was totally out. I stayed in my room all the day because walls were coming. Don't make a big deal, but it was a big deal to me. And Christmas Eve, my parents and brother, who is a minister, and sister, they all said, come on down, open the gifts. And I said, no. I was embarrassed. I mean, everything was scary, and I was disorientated. So after they went to bed, I, I uh, came downstairs, put on Jimi Hendrix, and I was going to take my life in my parents' house on Christmas Eve. Because I had been a Zen Buddhist, then I, I was an atheist, then I was just angry at everything. I, fuck, I, I was a bad person. I hurt a lot of people. And so I'm going to, then something spoke in my heart. Listen to this. This, is, this actually happened. This is a verifiable. 
The voice of God, which I know now, said to me, give me another chance. I was like, God, I'm the one who needs a chance. But here was my prayer. Because I didn't believe. I did not. I said, Lord, if you are who you say you are, come into my heart and do what you have to do. Because this isn't working for me. I don't, if you're not real, I have no life. I'm out. The spirit of suicide is a horrible thing. You can't see it coming even in church. You got to really pray for each other. And just like that, just boom, my mind came back, which is really a weird, just came back. Jesus came into my heart. I was raised in church, but I never experienced Jesus. I make any sense to you? Seven days a week I went to church. Two, three times a week, a day. All of a sudden, Jesus, I'm going to take, I'm going to go all the way. Not this save me alone. I, I don't, you know, I just, I just need you. I want your mind. Whatever you want, I'm in. And if you're not real and you're not worth that, I'm out. Miracle happened. So I went upstairs, so full. What surprised me was, for the first time in my life, went to church all my life, I felt joy and peace. Somebody loved me. I knew my mom loved me. I, don't, I knew I was loved, but I was so barren. Suddenly, God wasn't just rules or going to India or whatever. There was this, there was the peace of God and the love filled my heart. I saw Jesus on the cross and he said, I did this for you. And I'm, whoa. I've been overflowing, looking for this. I came down the next morning, been up all night reading the Bible. I said, Mom and Dad, look at this book. Have you, you know, this is cool. Read these books. It was the Bible. My dad and mom were both ordained preachers. My brother, they wanted to put me in an institution. Not when I was on drugs, but when I was a Christian, because I was crazy. I found out that this thing of Jesus doesn't have to be defended, it just has to be radiated and experienced. And let God do that. But you have to say yes first before the miracle. My wife and I, while I was in, I was in, I went to Ohio State. And uh, uh, my dad called me from Teen Challenge and said, hey, I need you to come up and help a little bit. How much are you going to pay, Dad? $25 a week. Folks, even back then, that was nothing, man. Even dinosaurs needed $28 a week. And... I was making 50000 in the 70s as a graduate student getting ready for my uh, clinical psychology degree. I said, Dad, I owe you coming up. I, I resigned my thing, my, my, my scholarship, left the fraternity house. I'm in my car pack, got a call. Uh, sorry, the board says you can't come. Uh, sorry. And I hung the phone up. I was now homeless as a Christian. I was homeless, pouring down rain. Columbus, Ohio, never forget it. So I get out, and it's raining. I walk the campus, and I'm so mad at God. God, I knew this would happen. I knew this. Why? People don't want you. Do you not understand that? You promise this stuff, and then you get this going on. How can this be good? And I was so on the edge of giving up on Jesus, new convert. And God spoke to my heart. He says, Randall, if you don't trust me and obey me now, you'll miss what I have for you. It made no sense. I went from Ohio State to a little Bible school, in Bible school, 
one thing after another before long I'm pastoring one of the largest churches in the country and another one and I'm traveling the world and Pastor David sometime is going along with it and we're seeing thousands and thousands come to Jesus Christ people said oh how hard you work on this I said you have no idea all I did was say yes and God does his turn we were young pastors in young associate pastors in uh, New Jersey. I don't like to say about poor, but that's basically what it was. I, I say that a lot today because I'm really doing fine. I live in Sarasota. By the way, don't move down there. We're full. <laughs> and, but we were just young, and we were in New Jersey, and we were so unequipped. My wife had no winter coats in New Jersey, no winter coats. We had no furniture, lived in this little house, and we're in a a place where a pastor's gathered to do a crusade for the town. And God told me to give $300. And it's not about giving, it's about obedience. So don't go worrying, don't go shutting me down in your heart. And I'm just like, I don't want, I'm not doing that. We make 100 a week. But we talked about it, we prayed about it, and, and uh, so I gave it 100 a week. And I don't want to say I did it with joy. No, I did it with tears. And you would think, oh, man, he's so blessed. No, I was mad at God, but I was obeying God. That's what Germans do. We just we do stuff like that. Christmas Eve again, and it makes kind of how the story works together, and I'm getting ready to close. A lady who was attending the church in Hamburg, New Jersey, knocks on the door, and she had been drinking, which uh, wasn't in my thing, and she says, hey, I, 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 I sell, I'm a clothes fashion person in New York City. I live out here. I've been coming to church. Don't quite get it, but I was just coming, driving back, and I thought maybe your wife can use these fur coats and these fashion coats. I mean, one of the coats was more than three months of my salary as a, as a thing, and all of a sudden my wife, I said, you know, I don't know, and my wife pushes me aside and says, come on in. <laughs> Tries on. He's like a queen, man. It's beautiful. Like, and, and I'm thinking, oh, God, you are so good. But that didn't come until I decided to say yes to what God was saying. One more, and I'll be done. I'll tell you the last point. I wouldn't love it. That's why Pastor David, Pastor Randy were there. And God, uh, are really straight and whatever, narrow as far as straight means different than what I mean. I mean, I was, I was just focused and working hard in church nothing secular in my life, no, no non-Christian music or anything. And Jesus started asking me or opening doors to speak to businesses. I did not want to do that because I was afraid I would compromise myself. And then I, I was invited to speak at this one, one big one before long. They were like 10,000 or whatever. That doesn't, not the point. It's that Jesus was doing something. And being this strict Christian like this, they started singing, I want money, lots and lots of money, money, money. I walked out. I'm on the, I walked out the door. I'm going home. I said, this is going to, they're all going to hell. Now, I didn't understand everything, and God stopped me and says, Randall, this is an assignment. You, I've given you an ability to do this. So I went on stage, and we talked, and then I did the Sunday service. In Australia, in Australia, there were 6,000 people. I gave the altar call. 3,000 came forward for Jesus. I didn't even do anything. It's not, it's not that at all. I would have said, this can't be true. They're just thinking, I mean, go to church and be nice. I sent them back to their pews. 
there's nothing to the seats like this. And I said, if you mean to give your heart to Jesus, if you go all the way, if you're dedicated, you want to see what he wants, then you can, can give your heart to Jesus. This is a business, this is a business, not church. 4,000 out of the 6,000 came forward. I looked out and I says, God, I never would have seen this if I wouldn't have said, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. So here's the question. Are you still breathing? You can run a home group. That's what I heard today. If you love Jesus, you're breathing, you can run a home group. That's good. What is God telling you to do? No, really. Is he telling you to forgive somebody that you've held a grudge against? There's a lot of that going around, at least that I know of in my life. Is that what he's trying to do? Hey, I need you to call and forgive so-and-so for hurting you. But, Lord, they hurt me. But God says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. I know the blessings I have when you do this. Forgive. Then do it. Pick up the phone, have a lunch, and do what God tells you to do. Is he telling you to go all the way with Jesus? Because I know that most of you are serving the Lord. I can see it on your face. I see it on your patience with an old guy up here. I see that. Thank you. But is God asking you to go something deeper than you know what that means? Is he asking you to go all the way and say, Lord, wherever, whatever, I'm all in. Then do that. That's your destiny. You're going to live your whole life on an almost great destiny if you don't. Things don't happen by accident. They happen because God speaks to you and he speaks to you and he prays and you feel it and suddenly you say, Lord, I will do that. Last thing and I'm going to close. Joy has to be renewed in your life. It has to be renewed in my life all the time. It has to be done where we dig from the wells of salvation, the joy of the Lord, where we begin to continue to rejoice and be faithful unto him and celebrate his name. Joy is something that you have to work out all the time and put aside all those things. Look in the word, slow down, pray, worship the Lord, and let the joy of the Lord fill you up. And God will do amazing things. I was just walking out two weeks ago, or a few months ago, I should say now. We had a big hurricane. People devastated. I'm telling you what, devastated. I'm walking into the grocery store, walk out with like some groceries. The day it opened up, a lady had a lottery ticket. And she says, I said to her, just, just kidding around, hey, if you win, can I be your friend? She looked at me and says, it's funny you say that, because if I don't win right now, I'm, I'm killing myself. My husband died in the storm. I'm living in my car, and I'm going to quit. I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. God has a plan for your life. We had a word, just a word of prayer there. Now I see you around the whole thing. All these stories are just to say, this is what normally is going to happen in your life when you say, yes, Jesus. I am going all the way. I'm going to obey what you tell me to do. Whatever you lead me, I'm going to do it. Whatever that is today, we're going to have a word of prayer. I'm going to just ask you to bow your heads now. We're going to pray before we close. And uh, Pastor Gregory will come up and close. And I want to pray a breakthrough in our hearts and our lives. Lord Jesus, 
I thank you for the opportunity to be in a great church. They don't need me at all. I thank you. They need just, they have you. They got you. They're, they're just great people. They've got a great team. But Lord, there is probably somebody here who is on the line of a decision making right now. I don't know who they are, but I know you're speaking to them. You're knocking. They hear your presence. And I pray, God, if they have never stepped across the line and gone all in with you, that this is the day they say, I'm not going to follow with the world or be mediocre. I'm going all the way with Jesus. Lord, if they're being called to restore marriage or, or forgive or be a blessing to someone else or pick up a missions uh, opportunity or be faithful in your kingdom. God, I pray that the joy of the Lord, that deep satisfaction of victory and future and present celebration will be upon them, that wherever they are, Lord, I know there's trouble. We have tears in this world. But I pray, Lord, that you refill us and rebaptize us with the spirit of grace and joy so that one day when we stand before you and you smile at us and you say, well done, good and faithful servants, and we have eternity at the marriage supper of the Lamb, that we will look at each other and say, Lord, what a great life. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen.